0: So let's start with a listing on the JSE, BlackRock. Uh, they are said to list. Uh, what does that mean for investors? Yes, so BlackRock, which is the world's largest asset manager, is planning to do a secondary listing of a fund on the JSE around November time. So the BlackRock Greater Europe Investment Trust is currently listed on the London Stock Exchange and they have assets of about 5.6 billion rand. So with them listing on the JSE, it will be giving South African investors the opportunity to invest in European uh, companies. And the fund is made up of a combination of shares from large, mid, and small cap European companies, so the likes of Unilever's and the Reynolds. And there'll be also in that mix in the fund are some investments in developing markets of Europe, such as the likes of Russia and Ukraine. So the initial amount that's um, aimed at being raised is about 650 million rand, but obviously it may be more depending on the uptake by the South African market. So it'll be offered to first to qualifying investors, so I just have to caution the listeners out there, don't get too excited about investing. So it'll be first available to qualifying investors through a private placement, and a private placement just means that it won't be available to just anybody, but just to a select few investors, and this is most likely going to be PSG clients as they are putting this all together. So the benefit from a BlackRock perspective is that they've been building the South African business since 2012. So through this JC listing, they'll be able to increase their profile in the South African market and obviously introduce in future other products into the market. And then from an investor's point of view... What you would do if you are, let's say, an African investor and you want to buy shares in companies in Europe you would first have to go through the process of opening a stockbroking account overseas, so in Euro in this case. Then you'd have to apply for exchange control approval to take money outside of South Africa so that you can send money to this account, and this is even subject to limits. And then on top of that, you have to adhere to the rules of offshore investing, which is that you can't have over 25% of your portfolio in offshore assets. So this sounds like a lot of admin as you can hear, and and it's nice life problems, which I definitely wouldn't mind having. But for investors in this category, what a fund like this offers is the ease of access and convenience to this European market and the benefits of riding on the, the recovery that we're going to see coming from Europe. And we've already seen the likes of property companies um, wanting to benefit from this recovery, with so many of them trying to buy up assets overseas. So, through this, as a South African investor in this category, you wouldn't have to take money outside of South Africa to get this offshore exposure. You can just directly invest on the JSE in RAND. And then on top of that, you don't need to get the SARB and SARS approvals that you would need to take money offshore. So that's not even necessary. So and then the other benefit is that this fund is actively managed, meaning that um, People who are running the fund are buying and selling on a regular basis, and it's not an index-tracking fund. This is such as the JC Top 40. So if you're an investor who also likes a fund which is actively managed, this would be for you. And then um, New Zealand, uh, they signed a coalition deal, but how are their policies going to affect other parts of the world? Yes, so New Zealand had its elections, and from that, the Prime Minister-elect Jacinda Ardern came out on top. She's only 37, Um, so this is a great hope for me and other young South Africans who have dreams and aspirations of being the president, uh, because she'll be the youngest president of New Zealand in around 150 years, so this is great for the young people. But just continuing with the story, so the two parties, New Zealand First and the Labour Party, have formally signed a coalition agreement. And with that, they've introduced new policies, and these focus on climate change, regional development and poverty. But the key thing that everybody's looking at is they've also made a major commitment um, which includes the banning of foreign buyers from purchasing homes in New Zealand, as well as reducing immigration of up to 30,000 people per year. So one of the headlines which I read which sparked my interest was it read something like how Trump-like leaders proliferate around the world, and this really speaks to the wind of protectionism that's blowing across the world, especially among the developed Western nations. So it started a role for Trump's U.S. presidential victory, which is based on that resurgence of nationalism. We saw Brexit take place, and now it's happening in New Zealand. So in a world of constant change and everybody trying to be less, so genderless, borderless, wealthless, nationless, there's seemingly a pattern of people who are voting for stronger borders and lower immigration. So kind of taking the stance of nation first. So on the back of this news, New Zealand depreciated against the dollar to a five-month low, and um, this basically signals that the, the market doesn't seem to approve of this move because from a market's perspective, they see seen that it's not good for global trade, it's quite restrictive on the movement of labor and in particular New Zealand's case, attracting skilled labor in order to assist in their growth especially since New Zealand is a small country and they have such few resources. So they would need the foreign investment and resources from other countries. And then another the token is how do you attract fixed income investment when you're basically blocking people out? So it's just interesting to see from the story how the Trump effect is moving around the world.